Hello and welcome to Power Connection with Pastor Tracy Stone. In this weekly podcast, we hope you have an encounter with God through inspiring teaching and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Tracy Stone and would like to enjoy more resources and devotionals, including our weekly updates, we hope you'll visit our website at pccgwinnett.cc. seated in the presence of the Lord and those of you that are joining us online thank you so much for being a part of our service today and I pray that the Lord would speak to you through this message we're continuing our series on built for life last Sunday we came from Matthew the seventh chapter and we're going to go back there we're going to go to different verses today we're going to go to verse 13 but we're continuing the thought of built for life. We're built for this. God is building our life and God is building us to the, to the place that he wants us to get to. And in uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter, and I begin reading at verse 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and there be many which go in thereof, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few, somebody shout that word, few, few there will be that find it. So in our series of Built for Life, we're going to talk about the gate, and how that God wants each of us to enter in to the straight gate. Would you pray with me now and ask the blessings over the reading of the word, Father? I pray over the blessings of the reading of the word that we would continue in faith and receive this. Come on, receive this word in spirit and in truth in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you so much. I understand as a pastor that I am more than just a preacher that I'm more than just a, on sometimes a janitor, sometimes a chair mover, sometimes a motivator, sometimes a listener, but more than any of the menial tasks that you do as a pastor, I think the most important part that I do is I watch over people's souls. I pray. I am too, and I'm not always successful to father this ministry in this church. Jesus says that this is what we do over the people of God. We watch over them. And I read the scripture in Matthew 7. And as a pastor, understand where I'm coming from today. As a watcher of your soul, I understand that Matthew 7 is a clear passage that Jesus wasn't winding the gate He was narrowing the passage. He wasn't modifying the word. He wasn't changing the message. Jesus was clear and he said, many are going to destruction and few are those that find the way. 
Many express a desire or some type of accolade to attend a church or to be there, but I want to make this statement, and I'll make it probably more than once, but let's go ahead and get it out there. Because you're on the pew doesn't make you part of the few. We're just going to let that statement resonate for a minute. Just because you sit on the pew doesn't make you part of the few. So as we go through this, we, we understand that to be a true follower of Christ, we, we are not to be discouraged and filled with fear, but we're to understand that one day we're going to see him face to face. He said narrow gate. If you bring that out of the original, if you talk about King James language, it says straight gate. That wasn't meaning a um, less crooked gate or a non-crooked gate, but what that literally means, if you bring it and study it, a extremely narrow gate. So narrow of a gate that he said that you have to file through the gate single file. So you've got to get rid of everything and everybody that's hanging on to you in order to get through the gate. And if you and I are going to be what God's called us to be, we've got to get rid of the baggage and the sin and the habits and the attitudes and all this stuff has got to be gone. And we've got to say, God, I am truly sold out to you. But our problem is we tolerate sin and we tolerate little things in our life and we're trying to broaden the way. But the Bible says that broad is the way and the end of that broad way is death and destruction. For in Matthew twenty two fourteen, for many, for the road that leads to life is narrow and the gate is tight. Preacher. But doesn't God love me? Yes, he loves you. He loves you enough to tell you that you've got to love him with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul. He said in Luke, he said, for there are many called, but few are chosen. He said in Luke 13, he said, Lo, Lord, there are few who are saved and said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say, will seek to enter and will not be able Listen, you're going to miss the blessing of this sermon today if you don't understand that you can't achieve salvation on your own merit. You can't achieve eternal life based on your own purity and your own doing good, but it's through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone that you will inherit eternal life. 1 Peter 3 says, in which a few, eight souls were saved through water. It's talking about Noah. Said that only eight were saved by water. In Revelation 3, he talks to the church at Sardis and he says, there are few who have not defiled their garments and shall walk with me in white who are worthy that they will hold victory over the sin. For they wear white garments which symbolizes the Lord's recognition of godly character and faithfulness within their life so you see through scripture over and over and over again that God isn't winding the gate to fit your lifestyle God isn't winding the gate to fit our culture God is saying straight and narrow is the way and few are they that find it 
So we understand Matthew 7 then, verse 13 and 14, takes on a whole new connotation. It's a huge issue when you talk about straight and narrow. It makes me as a person examine my own life again. It makes me turn the light on on my own heart to say, what kind of sermons am I preaching? What kind of leadership am I giving to the church? Am I doing stuff just to draw crowds? Or am I doing stuff to build the kingdom of God and to pull people into safety, out of darkness, into his marvelous light? Come on, somebody. I believe that with all of my heart, you, when you meet the master, that you meet Jesus Christ, you don't have to say, well, I looked at Jesus and he was just better than the rest. No, when you meet Jesus Christ, you realize he's the only way. When you meet the Jesus that I'm talking about, you'll find out that, that he'll put your life back together again. He'll give you hope again. He'll give you joy again. He'll give you peace again. Amen. And you'll realize that God is a God that loves you and cares for you. Are you ready to meet him? I mean, are you really ready to meet the Lord face to face? There's an authentic encounter that we all must have with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just a doctrine. It's not just coming to church. It's not just saying, well, it's good to be here. But there has to be that face-to-face -face encounter. I don't know about you, but I remember the night the Lord saved me. I remember the day the Lord called me by name. I remember the time when he washed that sin away. Doesn't mean I've been faithful through the many years. I have had slip-ups. I've had mess-ups. But his grace and his love has been right there to pick me back up and say, Son, I love you, and I want to wash you off, and I want to cleanse you. But I didn't try to broaden the pathway. I didn't try to broaden his scope of living to fit my lifestyle. But I hear him saying through me today to you that narrow is the way and straight is the way and I want you to have an encounter with me that when you grab the hem of his garment something's going to happen to you today amen you're not going to leave this room and continue to live the way you've been living and talk the way you've been talking and do business the way you've been doing business why because you're going to have a divine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ listen Having a relationship with God. It's more than people having a turnaround. People, I hear people all day, well, I had a turnaround. That's good. That's fine. It's more than just turning over a new leaf. People, you hear people say that. Boy, I'm turning over a new leaf. Or, or I'm going to turn things around. When you come to Christ, it's not turning over a new leaf. It's not even having only a turnaround. But when you come to Jesus Christ, it's old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You become somebody totally different than you were before. Before you were dead in trespasses. Before you were in your sinful way. But when you meet Jesus Christ, he washes you, he cleanses you, he forgives you, and he makes you a new creature. Can somebody thank the Lord? See, 
I get that this sermon sounds simple. And this sermon sounds a bit old-fashioned, but see what we have done, we, we, we have, there's been no noticeable difference in people's lives. We're so quick to get them into church and so quick to get them on a roll or so quick to get them involved in this or that that we need to realize, have their names been written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Listen, you may be on the, the, the slickest and the greatest and whatever. I'm not denouncing any of that. But what I am trying to say, that there is a straight and a narrow way. And my job as a pastor is to make sure that your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. And I'm not winding the pathway today. I can't. That's not what Scripture says. I have to preach and live by the Word of God. See, listen to me. I'm sure that we have been confused and we have been frustrated at some point in our walk with God. I don't know about you, but I have. I've watched some people. I'm thinking, God, why, why don't you just smite them? Just kill them. You know, if you don't want to kill them, let me kill them and tell you they died. Just kidding. I don't want to kill nobody. Do not put that on TV. <laughs> I do not want to kill nobody. But I get so frustrated with people and their attitude and how they live and, and their lifestyle. See, Jesus, see, people just walk away from Jesus and they just pick him up like an, I was thinking about a sermon to do about Jesus as an accessory. So I look across this congregation this morning and some of you ladies really know how to accessorize what you're wearing. Brothers, not so much. We just, you know, how to do. But I mean, some of you ladies, I mean, you got it. You got the right earrings. You got the right necklace. You got the right shoes. I mean, everything is just coordinated. You know how to accessorize. Come on. But Jesus is not an accessory that you put on and you take off. Jesus has got to be Lord of what? Of all, or he's not Lord at all. Come on, somebody. See, I, I look at this and, and I see it. And see, it's not an accessory about Jesus because it's not the Jesus that, uh, that you have on today because some of you are well accessorized with Jesus. You got him all dressed up today on your life, but I want to talk to that you that looks you in the face tomorrow morning about 7 o'clock. I want to talk to that you on a Thursday, that you when you're with your family and you're by yourself, that's the you I want to talk to when the curtain has been removed. See, what you need to understand, unless you're willing to die and be crucified with Christ, there's no way possible for you to live this life on the straight. For in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live no longer is mine, but Christ who lives in me. I live by faith through the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So to live for God on the straight and narrow means I deny myself. I walk away from everything that I want to do to walk to everything that he wants to do through me and for me in my life. Because my number one goal, my number one goal in life is to get through that gate. My number one goal is not to be the most successful, most, no, no, no. My number one goal is to make it to heaven. 
You and I have got to get a refocus to go through the gate. You got to understand you cannot serve two masters. You've got to let the love of this world go and fall in love with Jesus all over again. People say to me, Pastor, I would do it, but I just don't have time. I would love to come to church, but these people are counting on me. Let me tell you, unless you're willing to let those people go and take up Christ, you're not on the straight and narrow. You've got to deny yourself. Jesus isn't just looking for concentration. He's looking for crucifixion. A lot of people are concentrated in their, their, their focus, but he's not just after your focus. He's after you denying and crucifying your flesh and taking up your cross and following him. Amen, somebody. People say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm better than I used to be. Well, that's good. I mean, all you cussing second-handed now? All your drinking's done in private and all you smoking, you don't let nobody, you don't, you don't do nothing that nobody can look at you and say, boy, I wish they'd straighten up. You kind of do it all in private now. You're better. You're on Broadway, friend. You've got secret sins and you say, Pastor, are those things sins? Anything that's separating you from the love of God is a sin. I mean, it could be food, it could be fellowship, it could be any, anything that's separating you from what God wants you to do. And I don't have time to go down that rabbit trail, but what I'm trying to tell you is you've got to deny yourself. Are you listening to me? For straight is the way. Listen to me now. He wants you, well, this is a positive message. He wants you to die. <laughs> Preacher, I, I thought you were going to encourage me today. I'm not getting much encouragement from the pulpit. God wants you to die. God wants me to die. God wants you to die. Not physically die, but die to yourself. You gotta. Every once in a while, I go down to my garage where my tools are that I watch other people know how to do, and I just kind of look at them. But I nail a nail about as good as anybody can. And every once in a while, I grab a nail and a hammer, and I just beat that nail because I'm like I gotta nail this flesh and it's a it's a it's a fruitful act I get it but I but I but I'm nailing this flesh because I'm like I want to do the right but I did the wrong and I get so mad at myself anybody else feel like that I mean I didn't want to respond that way but I responded that way and I'm like oh there you go again but you know how I know I'm on the straight and narrow way because I feel that it's called conviction. You know how you're on the broad street? You don't get convicted by it no more. You just do what you want to, live like you want to. Well, I feel fine. Broadway! The end is death and destruction. Let me help you about me. You know what about my life? I don't even make my plans. He makes my plans. Because it's not me who's in charge. He's in charge. But there's a sense. There's a sense. And, I, and I'm taking my time today because I want this message to get in your spirit. There is a sense of worldliness that has crept itself into the church. And I, when I say church, I mean the church. It's not just here. It's everywhere. And we don't understand the cost of discipleship 
and the cost of following Christ. The only thing that made Peter weep, and Paul rather weep, was that there was teachers in the church teaching false doctrine. We listen to any and everybody. That's what's wrong with some of you. You got so many people pouring in your life telling you this and telling you that and telling you this. You just walk around in a whirlwind. You don't know what to believe. Let me tell you what you do. You start searching scriptures for yourself. Now, you, you listen to people, that's fine. But you start opening up the Bible. You reading books, that's great. Read books. But open up the Bible. What does the word say about it? I want word about what other people's opinions are. I want to know what Jesus says about it. And it comes back to simplicity. Straight is the way, narrow is the gate, and few there be that find it. But many, 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 shout many, many are those that are on Broadway. What does that give the connotation? What is that saying to me? That many are going to cry, Lord, Lord. Then I do all this stuff in your name. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And I'm so afraid if we're not careful as a church, we'll get so used to coming to church, so used to being around church people, so used to thinking just because I came, that's good enough. Again, I want to say, because you're on the pew, does it make you part of the few? What makes you part of the few is your name in the Lamb's book of life. And Paul was crying. Paul was weeping, Scripture says, because the false teachers and false doctrine. You know what makes me weep? Not that there's false doctrine. It's that people don't know the difference. People can't distinguish between what's real and what's not real. Because humanism, secularism, worldlyism has crept into the church. And we're putting on the greatest show, and we're, you know, whoever's the greatest shows in town, that's where they're gonna go, and that's where the crowd flocks to. This thing ain't a show, this thing's eternity, this thing's life and death, this thing's heaven and hell, this thing is straight way, narrow way, broad way. Somebody's gotta stand up and declare, straight is the way and narrow is the way. I don't know about you, but my soul is concerned about souls dying and going to hell. And some of you are so worried about, well, I wish they'd seen this. And I wish, I don't care what we sing. I wish we'd get so hungry again for souls. God, give us a hunger for he that wins souls is wise. You know what I've learned? I don't have to pastor a church to win people. I don't have to be a preacher to win people. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I can just be a light wherever I'm at living on straightway. You know what I'm encouraged this morning? As I see men and women across this auditorium who say, you know what? I want to live on straightway. 
I want my life, my family off Broadway, and I want them on straightway. And I'm screaming inside. I'm screaming at ministers inside, please come back to straightway. You've got great platforms. Come back to straightway. You've got tremendous areas of influence in your community. Come back to straightway. Preach the gospel. Let me, let me just go on and help you. Anytime, listen, let me just, let me, I know it's taking a minute, but just hang on. David said that, as he said, as Jesus said, thou anointest me with oil. He said, thou anointest me, Jesus said, with oil to preach the gospel. What we need is anointed preaching again. We need men and women of God who are anointed behind the pulpit. I appreciate your ideas and I appreciate your philosophies and I appreciate your steps and your whatever. But what we need is the anointing of God again flow in the temple. That when men and women preach the gospel, people fall under conviction because they come off a Broadway and they find themselves on straightway. David said, thou anointest my head with oil. Jesus rebuked them because they didn't anoint his head. And, and we understand that James says, let us call for the elders of the church. That what? They'll anoint them with oil. Revelation 3, it's Laodicean church. He said, anoint your eyes with eyesight that you may be able to see. So if we're going to move into this straight way of building for life. Building for life. We need the anointing. We need to kneel back at the bloodstained cross. We, we listen to me now. What is called today as alternative preaching. They call it safe place. I can tell you what Paul said it. He said it's a damnable gospel. Anything other than the cross of Calvary and the blood of Jesus Christ and him crucified, risen again on the third day, coming again. Anything other than that is not the gospel that Jesus preached. It's not my job to dilute it. It's not my job to make it good for you or for me. It's my job to rightly divide the word of God. We can't use the Gospels as our latest, greatest marketing strategy. We've got to preach Jesus Christ. We've got to preach Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. In Exodus 30, the fire fell, and the fire fell, and the fire fell because the fire was their fuel for their lights. The fire fell. The fire was the fuel for their anointing. The fire fell because the fire was what illuminated the tabernacle. But know you not, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. What we need again is the fire to fall on the church. That's what happened in Acts 2 when the church stood up and started believing and started preaching Jesus. The fire of heaven fell and when the fire of heaven fell the mighty move of what is now the modern day church began and it began because the fire and the anointing of God fell on the church and I'm praying again oh God send the fire of the Holy Ghost come on to the music please let me tell you what to draw people 
from Broadway to Straightway. Let me tell you what, I draw people from wide paths of whatever they want to do to live in the way that God wants them to live. It's not what I preach. It's not even what I say. The one thing that's going to draw people is the anointing. The anointing. When Paul was walking, they said, look, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. I'm praying this morning, some of you are waffling and you're, I don't know what kind of street you're on, and, but I'm calling you back to straight street. I'm calling you back to the gate. I'm calling you back to the narrow path. I'm calling, about, I'm calling you back to living a sold-out life to Christ. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It means you have conviction when you are not perfect. That pulls you back. There's a difference. I said there's a difference. But what we need more than anything is the anointing. Not the thrill and the feel of, of the service. I could care less. And some fact, I'm, I'm pretty fed up with it. I've lived in church my whole life. I'm almost 48. Not my, almost. I was, man, I was in church. I don't know how quick Mon carried me. I'm sure it was soon. And I've seen the aerobics and exercises of, of church till I've had it. I mean, we, I've seen people hit the floor, get off the floor, lay on down, lay down, shout and twirl, run, fine, whatever. But I remember what Archie Brantley, he was a wild shouter at our church. You know what Archie used to say? No matter how high you jump, you got to walk it when you hit the floor. He said, it's fine to jump, but walk it when you hit the floor. Them, I don't care. And there are times I'm overwhelmed by the power of God and I kneel and I lay. But it's not that I knelt and I laid. It's that when I get up, I'm walking the walk. There's been a change. Not a leaf turnover. Not a turnaround. But a change. Whew. I hear the Lord just saying, ring it in my ear. Tell him, I'm not coming today just to make it better. I'm coming to make it different. God wants you different today. Some of you are going to have to get real with yourself. I mean, you're really going to have to get really honest and know that you're not on the narrow way. Oh, you may be saved, but you're living a path and on a life that is broad. Broad. And you're allowing all this stuff and I'm afraid that when it gets time to pass through the gate, you're going to be on the wrong road. You ever traveled on the wrong road for hours? I remember when I was evangelizing before all this technology now, and I was reading a map. I wasn't even married. And I was reading, I had an old Randall McNeil map. I had a big old thing. I had a trucker's map. I was set. I drove almost two hours the wrong way. Man, I said, man, I'm making great time. 
wrong way. It was no big deal for me. I went in the store, I refreshed myself and got back in the car and turned around and went the other way. But when you stand at the gate of eternity, there's no do-over. There's no, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, it's too late. What road are you on today? What road are you on today? You on Broadway? Hey, sir, talking to you. Hey, what road are you on? How are you living? What's in your heart? Not what's up here on the facade. What's in your heart? Huh? What's going on? You can put on the facade and fool your family and fool everybody, but you ain't fooling God, friend. Thanks for listening to this edition of Power Connection. We hope that this has been a blessing in your life and that you'll share this and other great resources with your friends. Visit pccgwinnett.cc for new teaching and free podcasts and videos. And be sure to connect with us via Facebook at lcog.pccgwinnett, on Twitter at pccgwinnett, and on Instagram at pccgwinnett. Thanks for listening to the Power Connection Podcast, and have a great week.